Blog Talk Radio. This is the Change Book Radio Show, global insight and inspiration from life and business. We're brought to you by the fastest growing personal development book series in the world titled The Change. And I'm your host and voice, Stacey Carnaluti, transformational leader and coach, international best-selling author, and founder of High Powered Success Academy and StaceyC.com, The Power to Be. Welcome to The Change. Welcome, everyone, to the show today. I have such a treat for you. Asherah Eden is with us today. She is a highly educated ex-therapist. I love that. With over 20 years' experience in the transformational space of non-linear mind-body work and works as a modern-day shaman or healer where she helps powerful women turn trauma into spiritual and material wealth by reconnecting to their bodies, their breath, and the truth of their lives. Ashra, are you with us? Yes, I am, Stacey, and I'm so happy to be here today. So excited to have you. You know, um, 20 years ago, actually it's been 23 or 24 years ago, I I love the work that you do. Um, This is where my journey began, kind of like my spiritual awakening came in my ability to feel, in my ability to connect with my body. I've been in the body business my whole life. I've been in the fitness industry for 38 years. but I really wasn't reconciled to my body. I really wasn't friends with my body. I was numbing more than I was really um, listening and and enjoying, you know, what my body had to offer me. There's so much truth in it. But um, so I'm excited to talk about this emotional healing, about trauma, about um, the way that it connects us to our spirituality and the wealth that is there for all of us. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Yes, Super it's a very cool. exciting and deep and relevant conversation. And it's one I've been having um, with myself and with many others for a long time now. <laughs> Yeah, you have. You've been out there a long time doing this work. So let's start at the beginning. Um, How did you enter into this work? You have a lot of education under your belt, so I'm believing that you have some personal um, experiences that led you to your own healing path. My personal experiences began at a couple of different points along the way, Stacey. The part about the body and the wisdom and the power of the body actually began about in 2000 when I started practicing yoga. And Mm -hmm. as I got into my yoga mat, first as a yoga student and then as a yoga teacher, I began to notice feelings and emotions come up on my mat, sadness, grief, anger, past trauma, and so on. And I realized, oh, wow, like my emotions and my body are so deeply connected. Although prior to that in college, I had been a client of a form of mind-body therapy known as Rubenfeld Synergy, which combines touch and talk and connecting to the body. And I had begin, begun to notice the movement of emotions in my body even earlier than that back in college when I was a client of this particular form of therapy. Now, the more esoteric or spiritual and actually happened way before that, when I was raised Jewish and when my parents would take me to synagogue, we would go and we'd hear about God the Father and Adonai and, you know, all the things you do in Jewish synagogues. And my questions came up at a very young age. My first question was, well, if we have a God, why don't we have a goddess? If we have a divine father, how come we don't have a divine mother? Because 
even as a child, I was aware that I had a father and I had a mother, so why should my religion be any different? The second question that came up at an earlier age, and this is um, the more father-mother esoteric spirituality questions, which came up even earlier than the body and emotional questions for me. The other spiritual question I had as a small child was, well, we taught that the Jews are God's chosen people, but what makes that right? How come we're not all chosen? I had this very strong sense of justice and of everybody being equally chosen. Awesome. Awesome. The questions are incredible to, to just live in that curiosity and that wonderment is so right. So I love it because it has led you to some very deep, um, deep and high levels of consciousness and wisdom that are such a gift to all of us. The greatest miracle in my life was when I started seeking um, help when I was about 30, 29 years old, um, after years of addiction and adultery and anorexia and all kinds of crazy stuff. My life was starting to feel a little bit out of control. And so I sought the help of a psychiatrist. And I would I'd go into the office and she would ask me, how are you? Well, the first question was, who are you? And I could not answer her. I was just listing, you know, a bunch of things that I have done or accomplished in my life. Um, but the next questions after that, you know, after we finally discovered that I was a human doing instead of a human being, um, we got to the bottom of that. And then how are you feeling? I didn't have access to my feelings. So I began um, the practice of sitting still every day after I would come home from work. And it would take me at least 15 minutes to be able to identify a feeling and kind of like you're describing it in a yoga class, I remember being in a yoga class in the, the pigeon um, pose, and I sat there, and all of a sudden, I just broke into tears. I released. There was mm -hmm. so much emotion being held in my body that I wasn't aware of, and so I began to have these emotional releases, but... Talk about that a little bit. Is, is that connection to the release or the identification of the emotion opened up for me a spiritual place of truth? You know, it brought me into an awareness that there is something way bigger um, that I'm not seeing in my life. So I feel like to get, it's so funny. Yesterday I did a live stream um, on my Facebook page about the soul versus the body and how we need to go through the body to connect to that soul or the meta-self. Mm -hmm. So what, yeah, first of all, what, you're, what, you're, what I believe you're expressing for yourself, Stacey, is how you started to connect to your body and to your feelings and to honor the truth of those feelings. And then that opened you to like whatever you want to call it, spirit, source, God, goddess, divinity, um, and correct me if I don't have this correct, and my understanding of this on a contextual level is we need to connect to our body and the authentic, raw, primal, honest emotions in our body first. Yes, yes. Because that aligns us with truth. Mm -hmm. And when we don't do the stuff with the body first, we could talk about God all we want or soul or whatever, but it means nothing. Mm -hmm. We need to connect to our bodies and the primal, raw, honest, and authentic emotions first. Mm -hmm. And then what can happen after that is we can bump up against our stories and our psychological constructs that come from mom, dad, society. And to give a quick example, you know, everyone's had a thing where somebody made them feel not good enough, right? 
that's what the mm-hmm. psychological construct and we need to or, or even past trauma and we need to work through those things second after we've contacted the body and after we've contacted emotion and then as we do those two pieces we naturally open up to the sense of something more we naturally open up to the sense of divinity we naturally open up to the sense of God, God as source, or ourselves as divinity, or of ourselves as God. But these first two pieces must happen first. Um, when I was listening mm-hmm. to you speak, go on, sorry. Oh, I was just agreeing, absolutely. That was my experience yeah. to the T. When I was listening to you speak about your experience, I was backtracking earlier into my life. When I was 16, I was in therapy. I, had, I, was, I went through a lot of sexual trauma as a child. And I did not know this until my 30s, really. But I, in my teens, I felt depressed and anxious, so I had a therapist. And she said, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm allowed to have needs. It wasn't even what do you feel. It was like, what do you need? And the idea of having a need was so novel, the way that the idea for you of having a feeling was so novel. And right. it was life-changing to begin to look at myself as first someone who could have needs. And then somebody who could have feelings. Mm. So I completely was resonating with your story about that pigeon pose. It's just uh, so powerful, so powerful. Okay. So that's the beginning. Now talk to us about the masculine and feminine energies. Oh, gosh, that's such a big topic. Okay, I'm going to start with mom <laughs> and dad. Because mom and dad like, how, do we have, do we have a week for this? Oh, I know. <laughs> he wants to join me on like a week-long conference for this topic. Um, I'm going to keep it very to the point. Okay. Okay. Everyone has inner masculine. Everyone has inner feminine. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care if you're masculine, feminine, if you identify differently. However you identify your own personal gender, we all have inner masculine and we all have inner feminine. Very, very short form, like the masculine is, Yang active, the feminine is being passive, that does not mean a victim, that does not mean powerless, and it's just 10 times more complicated than that, but I'm going to keep it super short because we don't have a lot of time today. Now, in our personal lives, we have mom and dad, and mom and dad, our biological parents, or, you know, if you were adopted, the parents that you grew up with, the set of parents that you grew up with, become internalized as the roles of this is how to do masculine and this is how to do feminine. And again, this is like missing so many pieces in context. So the same is very basic. Mom and dad become our context for inner masculine and inner feminine. So, you know, if your dad is really harsh or really controlling or whatever, we think that inner masculine is very harsh and very controlling. If your mom had a lot of big emotions, and these are just stereotypes fast off the cuff, we think that inner feminine needs overly emotional. Now, the mm-hmm. truth is that the healthy masculine, the healthy inner masculine, and the healthy inner feminine are so much more complex and dynamic than either of that, than any of that, but we take in what we grow up with, and then as we grow up and we transform and we heal, it's that continual journey of working with our inner feminine and bringing her into balance and our inner masculine and bringing him into balance um, and sort of undoing some of that programming and going back to the original empowered, healed, and whole form of inner masculine and inner feminine, which, as you keep going, does sort of line up with divine feminine, divine masculine, God, goddess, source. 
And if yes. you guys want to know more, yeah, I can start. I can give you a rough outline of like the basic healthy masculine and the basic healthy feminine. Is that a direction we should go, Stacey? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So the masculine huh? is designed to be a protector and a breadwinner. Doesn't mean that women or the feminine can't make money. I'm not saying that. But the inner masculine is designed to be a protector or a breadwinner or a guardian, but he is actually in service mm-hmm. to the feminine. So the feminine is designed to tune into her true wants, needs, and desires, and to be aligned with those desires and to revel and float and dance on her desires and to be honest and expressive and, yes, emotional about mm-hmm. her desires. She is energy. She is desire. And she is the energy and the desire that comes first. Her energy and her desire in healthy form share that desire with the masculine who goes out and gets her the desire or brings it into form. So essentially, she is spirit. She is energy. She is desire. And he is the conduit that translates that translates that energy or that desire into form. Mm, beautiful. It's like Shiva Shakti or Radha Krishna or God Goddess or Mary Magdalene and Yeshua. Like you, I could go on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. The, it's so important to realize that desire truly comes first. Desire is the fire. It's the thing that um, needs to be present in order for us to find that masculine energy within ourselves to go out there and get the thing um, that we are here to have and to know and to be. It's that I think that you described that beautifully, explained that beautifully. Thank you. It's great. Um, Now tell us, yeah, talk to us about the um, connection to like the money, the men, the sex, like that whole sensual, erotic, that whole zone of uh, connection and, and genius, really. Learning how to alchemize all of this is where um, true just fulfillment and power come in. So bring it all together. Would it, how would you do that? One of the things that happens to us, both of because a lot of our audience today is like coaches, or, mm-hmm. you know, self-help people or therapists because we're on the change radio show. One of the things that happens to us on two levels is we get told, we go through trauma and we cut off our desires. So there's two things that are happening. Most of mm-hmm. us have been through some form of trauma, and that can even include verbal abuse or, um, you know, moving a home. It doesn't always have to be huge and graphic. We've all been through some form of trauma, and we've all also been taught not all of us, a lot of us have been taught to cut off desire. And I'm going to speak right now specifically to women who are coaches and therapists and in the range of helping others with this comment. A lot of us have also had spiritual journeys, whether that's yoga or meditation or religion, a lot of spiritual paths, a lot of religion, and a lot of... even like help, helper communities like nursing or therapy or whatever, teach us to cut off desire. Desire mm-hmm. is considered taboo or bad or shameful. It's like the Garden of Eden and the original sin, the patriarchal religious background piece. Desire, bad, you know, 
being a rough scary, a scary monk and getting up at 4 a.m. with your brown rice is holy, and if you do anything else, you're bad. It's that shit, right? So right. collectively, we're, we're trying to save the world. Like, we're trying to do, like, basically the anorexic that save the world, like, spiritually and emotionally anorexic. And, like, oh, I'm not going to feed my desires. I'm not going to take care of myself. It's like the burnt-out psychotherapist and managed care is a great example. I'm not going to take care of myself, but I'm going to do everybody else. I'm going to have to push it through insurance. I'm going to make 14 bucks an hour, even though I have, like, three master's degree, right? Degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's one example. But there's so many other examples. For coaches, it's the model of a hustle and pushing. That's another example of the coaching industry. It's like, I have to hustle and I have to push. But we're cutting off our desire. Our desire is to be nourished. Our desire is to be fed. Our desire is to receive. Whether that receiving is money and wealth or love or healing or even like a material thing, we're all desiring something. So we're up against this social and cultural backdrop of cutting off our desire, which is a huge block. Now, with this, we've all been through trauma. And trauma cuts us off from our body and our emotions. And when we're cut off from our body and emotions, we don't even really know what our desires are, or it's much harder to know what our desires are. And it's a lot harder for us to drop into the truth of who we are and our true power to create change in the world and to receive. So I think, Stacey, you're asking how do we transmute all of this into sex and men and wealth and sensuality. And here's here's the answer. I had to frame it. The first thing is to begin to honor that your desire is holy and really, really matters. So it's like mm-hmm. sitting down with yourself and saying, what, what do I really desire today? I mean, it could be small. It could be like, I want the other day, I'd be home to my dog when I moved and I missed dogs, but I really needed to go to a dog park. It can be a micro desire. But just begin to drop in and say, what is it that I really desire? And I want you guys to be open when you do this because sometimes what we want is taboo. Like we're trained out of knowing what I want, you want. So what do I really desire? Fuck the conditioning. Fuck that taboo. And start to like journal and get honest about the desire. So that's part of it. Yeah. The next part of it, and the second part of it is, gosh, it's like almost like we could go for months about this. It's about clearing the trauma that blocks you. And to be really honest about this part, you're going to need a coach or a therapist or a mentor. You're going to need to get over yourself and get some help and invest and just do it to that trauma part. But what I will say now is that starts with getting connected to your body, letting yourself have your feelings. And then asking yourself a question of have I been hurt and how have I been hurt? And letting yourself have all the feelings that come up when you connect to your body, connect to your emotions, ask yourself how have I been hurt and how have I been hurt? You're going to be doing that piece and you're going to be honoring desire. And then as you go through those layers on your own or with a guide, you're going to start to give yourself permission to take action towards those desires. Now, this applies to the sexuality piece, and this applies to the money and men piece that Stacey mentioned. So I was giving you guys like the steps that come before that. In terms of sensuality, and even the sexuality, and even achieving all of the desires, It's about embodiment. You're going to need to get into your body in a whole new way of being. 
because most of us are taught to not be present in our body and certainly not to be sensually expressed in our body. So very, very short form, I'm going to give you guys a question to work with for that piece. If I was a queen, how would I carry my body? Mm-hmm. What clothes would I wear? How would I feed myself? How would I nourish myself? How would I move? What words would come out of my mouth? How would I speak to others? And how would I talk to myself inside my own head? Awesome. So good. So good. As a spiritual being, I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience here on earth. But as a spiritually awakened being, all things become spiritual, you know, and even in Christ, you know, for those of, you know, people who do read the Bible in Christ, he came to make all things holy and to purify everything. So it's no longer about you know, what we're doing, it's in him, all things are pure, all things are holy, Uh our sexuality, our senses are also right, they're also good, and to be um, abandoning any part of ourselves in the name of um, religion or um, spirituality or anything that we deem as righteous or right is not the plan by any stretch of the imagination, yeah, so um, it's also right and beautiful. So I just love the work that you do, and I believe just so strongly in it. I love it. You have so many testimonies on your website, so I do want to encourage everybody to go check you out at asherahedon.com. It's A-S-H-E-R-A-H. E-D-E-N.com um, forward Correct. slash contact or just go to the dot com and read the testimonies of the lives that um, have just been so impacted and changed forever. It is transformational. You know, we really do work with people on a very, very deep level and change their perspectives and it sets people so free and, you know, puts them in such a place of power. And I, I love it. I just love it. Um, tell us about your name. Um, why you changed your name. Your, your name was not always Asherah Eden. So give us that. Story. Oh my gosh. This is going to be a big story someday. <laughs> so my birth name is actually Jessica Abelson. I love telling the story. Um, but there was a lot of conditioning attached to that over who I was supposed to be and who I was not supposed to be. It's like, you know, if you get told up saying, you're going to be a nurse and you have to be a nurse. And I'm like, like, but I'm not a nurse. You know, it's like, but that's not who I am. Like this voice is like, I mean, that's not what I got told. But the good voice is like, but I'm not a nurse and I'm not a doctor and I'm not, you know, an architect. And they're telling me I'm a nurse, a doctor, an architect, and a, and a, and a frog, and I'm none of those things, right? So I grew up with a lot of, well, there was two parts. I grew up being raised Jewish. And I felt like that religion wasn't authentic for me. And to backtrack, this relates to the name, Stacey, um, what you're saying about Jesus is totally awesome and correct. And Christianity has a lot of gold in it if you did under the surface to uh, mm-hmm. the more, I might be mispronouncing this, to the more Gnostic tradition. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge that because Judaism is the same. The surface has problems, but if you dig deeper, there's like the Kabbalah and there's like a lot of beauty and there's the Shekinah and there's, you know, there's the divine feminine and there's a lot of gold. So in all of these traditional religions, you need to dig under the surface to find the gold. This yes. relates to the name change. So when I was a little girl, 
I'd go to synagogue and I felt the Divine Mother and the goddess being present in my very Jewish synagogue. And I'm like, no, it's, there's no goddess, there's just God. And if you think there's a goddess, you're wrong. And I was like three years old and I was like giving them the cosmic fuck you and like telling the rabbi he was wrong as a little girl. <laughs> anyway, anyway, and then with this, you know, I was getting told that I was like a frog and a nurse and an astronaut, like not really those things, but I was growing up with all this conditioning. Sorry, I'm just in a funny mood today. Um, I love conditioning, it. This conditioning that was like, wasn't true. And on a darker note, I was being sexually abused in my childhood and it all tied together like by men and like heavy patriarchal conditioning. So all of these pieces tied together to this sense of this false self that Jessica Abelson didn't reflect the fact that I wasn't an astronaut. It did not honor my power underneath the sexual trauma, and it did not reflect my connection to the sacred feminine. So fast forward many years, I moved to California. It's 2008 or 2009. I go to graduate school, and... What is it? I feel like my name's not Jessica, and I'm trying on all these A names. I'm like, you know, I don't know what it is. I just know it starts with an A. And I live with roommates, and I'm making them call me something different every week to try it on. I think that's really funny. So uh, finally, it's 2011, and I'm in a goddess circle, and I'm in the darkest part of feeling my own patriarchal trauma and abuse. And I'm so deep in emotion and trauma and healing and energy moving, and I'm like, this name has got to change. And my friend Aiden says, your name is Asherah. And I am like, holy fuck. Asherah is the Jewish queen of heaven. You want me to take this on? And she's like, yeah, you're Asherah. And this was in a goddess circle in California in 2011. I took it on in 2012, and the last name even came to me a year or two later. As an original innocence. So Asherah is the pre-Judaic queen of heaven honoring my true identity, honoring the sacred feminine that is in all, it's in Judaism, it's in Christianity, it's in the earth, it's in the trees, it's in the stars, honoring love in the face of my own incredible trauma that I went through and violence that I went through. And Eden, it's a resurrection of original innocence instead of original sin. Yes. Oh. Chilling. Chilling. I love it. God, you know, the God of the Bible uses his name to reveal himself to us. That's how we come to know the God of the Bible is by studying out his name. And so as I begin to do that and, and begin to experience him as my healer, as my deliverer, as a lover of my soul, as my provision, as my abundance, as my everything, I um, then got curious about the meaning of my own name and I looked it up and my name means abundance and resurrection life. And that was already what I had experienced after my spiritual awakening that just confirmed my purpose and my mission and my way of doing life here on earth. And it was so confirming. So our name really does go before us and, and prepare the way. So I love I love the confirmation in that name. I love the future and the power in that name. It's just, um, it is you. It's everything that I've learned about you and have experienced with you. It's so fitting. So um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What do you want to leave here on earth? What's your legacy? What do you want to be remembered as or by? Well, the first word I want to say is love, but that's very short Mm. form. I am... 
many years ago, I had this business coach, and he asked me what my work was. And he didn't like my answer because it wasn't direct and it wasn't salesy. But I'm going to give you guys that answer, and then I'm going to get more specific. Because, like, I mean, what I said in that answer was empowering the feminine, balancing the masculine, awakening love and personal power. Now, now we'll get more concrete and less flowy. What that means is bringing back the power of the inner feminine principle in men and in women and in all genders, but particularly elevating women and elevating women while healing men. This is not that it's not about men. It's like I have a different theory that a lot of men just need a lot of emotional healing. It's love to men, blessings to men, emotional healing to men. But for this conversation, short from elevating women to remember their divinity and their power and to wield their power wisely for financial advancement, for career advancement, for emotional, from emotional freedom, and from liberation from family trauma. Now, this also goes to men, especially... Hmm, I'm going to pause on the men thing because I'm afraid the answer is going to get too, too long. I'm going to go back to the women saying, awakening women to their emotional power, to financial power, to career power and life purpose, and to liberation from family and social trauma, and to reawakening the feminine principle on this planet while bringing a lot of love and almost just more pure emotional healing to men and the masculine. Awesome. Beautiful. Beautifully said. I don't believe that anybody could do it better. I have to just tell the listeners right now, if you know, if your heart's beating fast right now or your palms are feeling a little sweaty, I want you to reach out to Ashua Eden um, at her website.com forward slash contact and um, dive into this work. You will be liberated. You will be empowered. You will never, ever be the same again. Um, so I am just, I'm so thrilled that you were here with us today, and I love everything that you've shared. I would like to have you back again so we can go deeper because this, um, you just can't spend enough time around all of this, I believe. I, I, just, I just feel like it's the thing that's keeping people stuck, going around the same mountain again and again and again. It's sabotaging so much of the success that's waiting for everybody. So thank you, Ashra, for being here today. Thank you, Stacey. It's really been a pleasure and a joy and really blissful to be sharing all of this. Oh. What did you say? I'm supposed I said to it's been a joy and a pleasure and even really blissful oh, yeah. to be sharing all of this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is your voice and your message to the world. So um, the very best to you. And I want to thank the listeners for chiming in today, for listening. And um, don't ever forget that none of us are up against anything more than a thought. If you have a thought to reach out to Asherah, if you have a thought that is showing you the way to a better life, act on that thought. It's so, so very important. So I thank you all for joining us today, and I will see you again next week on the Changebook Radio Show. Bye for now. <laughs>